It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Baby back door, baby fall off, sipping codeine cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. Listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program's moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Parker Thune, and we're here to talk Oklahoma football, uh, some Kansas State. We're going to talk about Selman Brothers statue. We're going to talk some recruiting. We're going to talk about, after we slept on this week's last week's domination, how good can this Oklahoma team be? And then we're also going to talk about, we're going to break down the game, obviously, between the Sooners and the Wildcats. Can they stop... Deuce Vaughn, is Adrian Martinez going to cause some issues with his legs? Uh, what does Oklahoma have to do to contain an offense that looked okay the first two games and then against Tulane looked about as inept as you could possibly be? Uh, the Boo Birds even came out in uh, Manhattan, if I was reading correctly on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, let's let's dive into it, Parker, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to a primetime tilt this weekend. As a media member, I have learned that, and it's not this way for fans necessarily, but specifically as a media member, 2.30 kicks are the worst. 7 p.m. kicks are much better, and 11 a.m. kicks are honestly ideal because if you get a 7 p.m. kick, you're done with post-game coverage at like 1 a.m. Then you go to sleep and tie up whatever loose ends you need to tie up on Sunday. If you get an 11 a.m. kick, Brandon, you got everything done by like 6, 7 p.m. Saturday night. And you can still sit down and watch college football, watch the late slate. So and you get to looking forward to our first seven. Doing it. Kick. 
of the year this weekend. Yeah, and you also 11 a.m. People don't understand. Like, why do you all like them so much? Yeah, we get to watch college football while we do the postgame coverage, too. So, like, it's on the background. We're sitting there watching it while we're typing or uploading video or or doing a podcast. I have a television right here on my desk and direct TV and all that type of stuff sitting right here. So we get to watch it while we do our podcasts or any post game, anything. It's like right here. You can flip through the channels. Oh, 11 a.m.s are glorious. I hate waking up at 6, 30, 7 o'clock to get to a game. But outside of that, it's pretty awesome. I mean, Saturdays are for sleeping in. The, the one thing I will say is if I don't travel away from home, which I don't know what I'm going to do 100%. Like I'm, I'm talking to David Hicks's dad. I'm trying to figure out if they're going to come up and if they're going to come up, I'm going to make the trip down there, you know, just kind of, I've already been down there. Right. So it's, and I've already seen Denton Geyer. I've already done it. We're going to be in Dallas next week. So there's a lot of, me trying to figure it out because Jacoby Johnson and Mustang is playing UConn tomorrow as well. So I don't know. But the cool thing about it is, dude, I got a, I got a TV on my patio and we got like this nice furniture that thanks to my, my dad and uh, grandma Linda bought for us for uh, Christmas last year. And I can sit out there with some coffee in the mornings, you know, a little, little, little jacket on and watch college game day. You don't get to do that when you travel. Parker, you know that as well as anyone. Like, it's like, let's go, let's go. And if it's morning games, let's go, let's go, let's go. There's no relaxing, getting to tune up for the college football day. Your tune-up is getting to that stadium and tuning up for that game. So there's pros and cons for everything. The fans, I know they like 230 as long as it's in the fall and it's not summertime and 95 degrees and they like 7 p.m., 6 p.m. kicks. We hate them. <laughs> we hate 2.30 kicks. So I guess you still get to do the whole game day thing, but not very much because you got to leave at the end of game day and take off for the game if it's 2.30 kicks. So 2.30s are the worst, Parker. They are the worst. They're, they're, they're the devil is what they are they on are. Saturdays. But – that aside, <laughs> I'm not muted. Can you hear me? So, anyways, um, are your AirPods tripping out again? All right. So, anyways, uh, Colin Cowherd. There's so many people nationally starting to buy in i was watching mike gola jr on the oklahoma breakdown podcast last night uh with teddy and gabe i was watching uh joe clatt i was watching even some esp uh paul feinball like literally buying into oklahoma everybody is buying in brett salier by of uh cbs sports Buying into the Oklahoma Sooners, their defense, their offense, everything now after last weekend. And yes, they have a caveat that Nebraska is off on defense, but Nebraska is good offense. And Oklahoma's defense went into Lincoln and just crushed them. They scored late in garbage time when outside of 
Chuba, uh, who is it? What's his name? Chuba uh, Purdy. Outside Chuba of Chuba Purdy. Purdy, yeah, outside of Chuba Purdy, the starters were in for Nebraska still. And Oklahoma's second team, third team, fourth team defensive guys were shutting them down for the most part. They finally scored with like three something left to go in the game to get 14 points. But what do you take away with the, of the national media already buying into it? Because it's always taken like six or seven weeks for people to actually believe in Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley's teams. I mean, they, they've always thought they were like good offensively and they always wanted to see how good and how elite the offense was before they donned them uh, as a playoff team, because they knew the defense was always going to be somewhat suspect and vulnerable, right? What, where, where do you see this Oklahoma team now? Like, do you, do you believe the hype that the national media is already trying to dawn the Sooners? So I here's the thing. I don't think the national media is all on the same page right now about Oklahoma. I think there's still a lot of division, as, as there has been ever since the release of the preseason poll. There are... There were some media members that believed <laughs> Oklahoma was still the team with the inside track to go and win this conference. And there were some that were projecting a step back for the Sooners, given all the turnover that they endured in the offseason. Um, I think we're probably at a similar juncture right now when you look across the landscape of uh, the national media, the talking heads, as it were. There are some folks that are still not sold on this football team. There are some that are willing to acknowledge, especially after that win over Nebraska last Saturday. Uh, yeah, this team's good. This team could be really good. So I, I think for my part, I'm going to see how the Sooners react and perform against Kansas State this weekend, against what's always a resilient Kansas State team coming off an upset loss. Uh, I want to see what this football game brings. And then I think that's probably when we'll start to see more clarity and more uniformity in the narrative from the national media. Because I think like me, many folks at the top of the food chain in media are waiting to see what this sooner team does when they encounter most specifically a defense that is as solid as Kansas state's is because they have NFL talent at all three levels of that defense. So you wouldn't anticipate that anything is going to come easily for Oklahoma on Saturday night. But if things do come easily, that's kind of your first real signal that Oklahoma's offense could be just as elite in 2022 as it was in 21 and 20 and 19 and 18 and so on back. So my how times have changed because normally it would be Oh, well, the Oklahoma offense, you know, is going to score a bunch of points on no matter what type of defense they are, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Georgia. I mean, they always have, right? Kansas State comes to town. They've got a really good defense. And everybody's hyping up Oklahoma's defense. Brent Venables, they're stopping everybody. They're first in tackles for losses. They're third in sacks in the nation. They're 
I mean, uh, they're what, 35th in yards per game, but that's only because Oklahoma's let the second and third string get lit up late in games. If not, they would probably be top 10 in yards per games. So this is quite different than what Oklahoma fans are used to, right? They're used to saying, oh, well, the offense is going to be able to score a bunch of points. The defense is going to give up a bunch of points. Now it's, is this offense going to be able to score on this K-State defense? We don't know yet. Like, you know they've scored on everybody, but they haven't faced an elite defense like Kansas State yet. So that's the question. Nobody's going to no, but but nobody's questioning the Oklahoma defense. This is we're in new territory, folks. New territory. This this isn't the day of yesteryear. Whenever uh, <laughs> Riley's running the team, and you're going to put up fifty on no matter who you play, or forty, or forty-five, or whatever. No, 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 no. I think if Oklahoma scores thirty-five. This weekend, I think it would be a very, very good weekend for Oklahoma offensively, just because I don't, I don't know that K State is going to give up a whole bunch of points all season. They're just solid, like you said, all three levels, really good, um, and and they're they're an older team too, if I remember correctly. So they're not, yeah. they're not young. They're if if Oklahoma goes and hangs a fifty burger on Kansas State, then we're going to have to have some discussions because that's a state. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if they win like 50-17 or 50-20 or something like that, there's going to be some people out there that are going to be going, oh my gosh, Brent Venables. <laughs> it, hello. <laughs> so uh, no, that, I think that's kind of the excitement. for. I do expect the defense to be very good, and this is why. Night game, the fans are all – Liquored up and and hopped up on barley's and hops, and I believe the term in the drum dictionary is lubricated. Lubricate. They're lubricated up. Yes, that's not just a drum dictionary. Even people that commented on our Twitter when I put that up there even said that is an older phrase for drinking. Yes, that's probably before the the days of KY jelly. So I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm sorry folks <laughs> all right back to our normally scheduled programming <laughs> uh <laughs> i don't know when that was created i'm just saying uh <laughs> uh so seriously though um it's gonna be loud the lights are going to be flashing. The fans are going to be hyped. And I just, I just expect the defense to feed off of it. I really do. I expect it to be, what's it supposed to be in the 70s and 80s during kickoff? And then get, it's supposed to be like in the 80s during kickoff and uh, get down to the 70s, mid 70s during the game. That's going to be perfect weather for everybody. It is going to be hot while you're out there tailgating. So, folks, drink water before you show up. Drink Gatorade before you show up. Take electrolyte shots before you show up. If you're going to be drinking alcohol, let's be smart. 
You're what what chases away water? Alcohol. So it's gonna chase the water out of your system. Like it's this is science 101. So let's 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 be smart. Keep everybody safe. Safety is crucial here. So, anyways, but yeah, it, everybody's gonna have a chance to tailgate from like 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. So I expect that stadium to be rocking. Uh, Venables has been asking for it to be rocking. Uh, and he's been saying it ever since he showed up. They want to make this stadium completely different than what it's always always has been. And I, you you want to know what? There's something I want to talk about real quick. It's totally off subject here. Did you see the Shane Beamer comment about the the walk, the champions walk, the walk I, of champions? I heard about it. I I don't think I actually seen it. So he goes on there. My son sent it to me. I can actually play it real quick. How about that? I will play it real quickly for you. And he basically says this about the crowd. And here we go. As I get it playing here. Let's see if it'll play. Not exactly the best, but wild and wild and crazy that is. The more of an impact that makes on um, on these guys, and I mean, and I'm serious in saying that. I've coached other schools where we had a walk, and I was in a different conference, and we talked more very recently, and we talked about the walk that we had pregame, and did we want recruits to watch it? And I've been in the SEC, and I remember telling the head coach, I'm like, look, this guy we got coming in on this visit, he was at an SEC school last week. Like, our walk is cool and all, but it ain't that. And um, it's the same thing here. So it's a different – it's a different out, a different walk pregame environment. And then just the electricity in the stadium, the out and wild and crazy that is, the more of an impact that makes on um, on these guys. And, I mean, and, and I'm serious in saying that. I've coached other schools where – we had a walk and I was in a different conference. And- Anyways, you get the point and just played over and over, but he's essentially calling out. If you look at it, it's pretty simple to see. He's only coached in the ACC SEC. And he was on the ACC when he was like a GA. So he wasn't telling the head coach, which was his father at the time, you know, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. It's not cool. This guy's whatever. No, he was talking to Lincoln Riley and telling him, the Walk of Champions is cool, but Oklahoma fans just don't show out. What have they done the first few games this year? Completely showed out for that thing, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands of fans have been there. Wild and crazy, getting just going nuts. And it's different. The, the fact that Venables even talked about how the recruits were in awe sitting over looking overhead down on the walk of champions in the stadium and going, wow, this is unbelievable. And these are guys that have been to SEC schools for this very same deal. So I think times are changing, Parker. The stadium seems a little bit more vibrant these days, right? I would say everything seems a little bit more vibrant. And I think that's been a natural consequence of the off season that Oklahoma football had. And that was always going to be the reality. Everything Brent Venables did 
and everything he participated in was going to have so much more hype around it than anything of that ilk tradition wise uh, or protocol wise that has ever been done at Oklahoma before. So uh, you're not at all surprised to see the walk of champions take on some renewed vigor because it's, <laughs> it's Brent Venables out there at the front of the pack, leading the charge, slapping hands with the fans. People are juiced to see what that man's going to do with Oklahoma football. Right. And so like he's he's like King Midas right now, as far as Sooner fans are concerned. He walks on water. Everything he touches turns to gold in the eyes of these fans. And is it going to stay King that way forever? Midas. Probably not. But <laughs> like there, there will come a point at which the honeymoon ends, you would think. But for right now, these fans embrace everything he does, everything he says with the utmost fire. I love the analogy. Nothing like Greek uh, mythology for a nice analogy. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a, he's done a great job, man. Like, <sighs> And I think his openness to the media has been something that has also helped. Whereas Riley started losing the media, which in turn started losing the fans. And when that happens, he, he was never on the hot seat or anything like that, but it was, he wasn't good enough at that point. Like, and he could tell fans were just kind of getting annoyed with this, the status quo with him. Right. Like it just it just got annoying for a lot of fans that you knew what they were gonna be. They were gonna make the playoffs and they were gonna lose. And that's what they were gonna do because they could not find the recipe for defense. They could recruit defensive talent, and anybody that says they can't, I challenge you to go back and look at all the classes from like 2017 on. It's been elite defensive recruiting. But they couldn't develop those guys. Those guys just stayed kind of who they were, right? Like they never took off. I can tell, I can, uh, Neville Gallimore took off. I'll give you that. Nick Benito took off. Uh, Kenneth Murray took off. I'm trying to think of somebody else that took off. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, those are maybe the four guys that, literally lived up to their hype from coming in and the rest of the guys just kind of went like this. I can, I guess Trey Norwood and Trey Brown ascended pretty good. Delarian Turner yell. Don't forget. Delarian Turner yell. So in a five year span, there was like eight guys on defensive side of the ball that literally ascended to a greater status than what they were when they arrived. Right. You look at Deshaun white. I prime example. Brent Venables, year one, Deshaun White. For those that follow recruiting, Deshaun White was the biggest tussle between AM and Oklahoma. He committed to AM, did a commitment video with an entity that I was with prior to being at 24 7. He literally did two endings. He was that torn, chose AM, right? AM struggles, things are changing. Sorry, I sound nasally. I've got allergies today. And he 
flips to Oklahoma, but he was one of the top players in the country at linebacker. Like it was a big deal with him. Do you remember this, Parker? Or were you not following recruiting? I would not have been working the recruiting beat yet. So, no, I do not have any specific recollection of this. This was 2018. And 2018, 2017, 2018, 2018. Yeah. And everybody thought his freshman year, he came in, he did really well. And they thought, oh my gosh, he's going to be a really good player. He never changed. Never changed. Under Grant should just stay the same. So, I don't know. I guess my point is that year one, you're already looking at what, before he got kicked out of the game for the crown of the helmet hit on Casey Thompson, he was playing like a madman. Literally was playing out of his mind. And he's played well all season long. It is what? How can one coach come in, Parker, and just change the whole fabric of that defense in a matter of nine months? I'm asking. Yeah, I would say like. Uh... <laughs> If if there's one guy that can do it, it's Brent Venables, right? Right. And right. But we kind of we kind of figured it was going to happen. Kind of figured it was going to happen pretty expediently. I think there's reason to believe, based on what we've seen to this point in the season, to this point in the season, it's happening even faster than any of us anticipated. Yeah. I'm curious as to what, as to when, we're going to get a true litmus test for this Oklahoma defense, because I don't think Kansas state is that offensively. I think Kansas state certainly is that defensively. And I would agree with you. If Quinn Ewers returns for the red river showdown, that's probably it. If not Kansas, I I know that's weird to say, (laughs) which is crazy that we're like, it felt felt so dirty to say, but it's true. The fact that we are talking (laughs) about Kansas at all on a week that isn't Kansas week is bizarre. But they're so good offensively this year. Like they, I was watching. How did that happen? Like riddle me Uh, that Lance, Lance Leipold is an offensive genius. Nobody, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about what he did at Buffalo. Like he did the same thing at Buffalo. What he does. I know fans, you probably don't care. I'm just going to say it anyways. What he does is he literally, is makes everybody be so technically sound. And then he essentially does what K-State tries to do to you, but at a much better level. And that's where they formation you to death. Just formation you. They personnel you to death. Like, they're going to put you in awkward positions. You're not going to be able to sub in. They love these tweener guys that are hybrid, wide receiver, tight ends. They got a speed. They got two speed guys on the outside. The inside guys are bigger hybrid hybrid wide receivers that are going to be mismatches for most linebackers and safeties, right? And then you're going to put a scat back out there at like the the slot position or whatever, and they're going to formation you to death. You're not going to notice that that player is covered up on the inside, like the big player. So you're going to end up putting coverage out there over him, not realizing that he's covered up. And it's going to open up the middle. Like, they're just formation and scheme you to death. 
and they do it so well. They out leverage you in multiple facets and they're so precise on their routes. Everything they do is just perfect. And when you teach that and you can see it last year as they got through the season, even I was talking to a coach yesterday that said, Kansas, you could tell Kansas last year was going to do this this year. And to a novice eye, and even to an eye like you and I, Parker, we question that. But coaches around the league were literally believing that was happening last year and thought that this team was going to be a problem this year because everything, everybody they returned, the transfers they acquired, and the head coach that they have. Now, he's not long for Lawrence, Kansas. We all know that. Like, he's going to be gone somewhere else. But before he leaves, he is going to shake up the Big 12 a little bit. There's going to be a shakeup at the, in the mid-range top area. And I think Kansas, if they win this weekend against Duke, watch out. Watch out. They got Iowa State at home. They could be 5-0. and oh. And I can't remember who they have after that. I think it's like TCU or... Something, but they could literally be six and zero going into Oklahoma game. Yeah, I just know Twitter is already talking about that possibility: undefeated Oklahoma versus undefeated Kansas on October fifteenth. So weird. No, and I will. Yeah, I agree in that. I think many folks were going to simply have to see the resurrection of Kansas football before they would believe that it was coming just because of what a dire situation that program was in. Yeah. (laughs) How about Lance Lightbold, man? That's that's a guy that is going to have a lot of money thrown at him this offseason to go be a head coach somewhere at a big time program. And and I think I know which program, but we'll uh, we'll see about that. Yeah, we'll see where things go for the next couple months. I can virtually guarantee that that program that I'm hinting at is not going to be the only program that throws its hat in the ring for Lance Leipold because of the job he's already done. But that is neither here nor there. Yeah, but real quickly, what other what other what other places do you think? Well, it depends on what comes available. Like, who do you think is going to be available at the end of the season? It looks like Auburn's going to be available. Um, yeah, I wonder I don't if Florida State's going to be available. Even though Florida State has gotten off to a better start than people anticipated, that's still not a great situation down there. I wonder if a change is made. Georgia Tech, Georgia uh, Tech, Georgia Tech certainly. I think he fit Georgia Tech. Yep, I think Link. I think Lincoln, Nebraska, and Georgia Tech are probably his best two fits. Yeah, honestly, but we'll see about it. Kansas yep. State, anyways. Yep. Oh, hey, look, Kansas State folks. Offensively, they're going to do exactly what we just talked about. They're going to scheme you to death. They're going to throw Deuce Vaughn out there in the slot. They're going to put him in put him in motion. They're going to try to get him in a mismatch out in space, and just let him play. And then say Adrian Martinez, I think, is the key here for uh, Kansas state. They, they've kind of taken away. And I noticed this, I think in week two, and I really noticed it last week. And then watching Gabe and Teddy talk about it, it really kind of made me really believe it at this point, but he doesn't take, he doesn't take the chances he took at Nebraska. Like he would try to go downfield at Nebraska a lot. He would try to, force the ball on a 20 yard dig, you know, like he would do things that were sometimes 50, 50 good, bad things could happen, but he kind of just plays dink and dunk right now. 
Like, it's just, it's not, it, it's not, he's not the same Adrian Martinez. I just, I, he, he doesn't look as free out there playing the way he did at Nebraska. And granted, Nebraska didn't win a lot of games, but he kept them in games with top 10 opponents because of how he played. Like, he would make miraculous things happen because he would run around and, do whatever, but he would also screw them over a lot. Bingo! By throwing inter- interceptions, that he no, would keep I get them it. in games, and then he would make the crucial turnover. That's right. what would happen. But he he was always going to be less free once he got to Kansas State. That oh was, yeah, that climbing. had to be the expectation. Chains are on him. Yeah, so, you know, but climbing let. Uh, oh my gosh, what was his name last year? Uh, Skyler Thompson. Skyler Thompson. Yeah, I always get him and Skyler uh, from West Virginia mixed up. So Skylar Howard. So uh Skylar Thompson, yeah, he they let him play. But he had earned the respect of Kleiman and earned the trust of Kleiman to be able to do those types of things. I don't know look what does does Martinez have two years left? So he's got this year and next year, right? This is, is it for one? him. This is it. Okay. Well, that sucks for him. Because uh, I think in year two, I think Kleiman would probably relinquish the change a little bit and let him run free and be who he was. And I think then K-State would be a massive problem offensively. But I uh, I just think Oklahoma is going to – I think they're going to shut him down, man. I really do. I really do. I, 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 don't, I, I cannot see them scoring more than 17. If they do, that's great. Good for y'all. Good for K State. But I, I just think that this game on the surface looks like it should be a really close game. But I, I, I'm, I'm buying that night game in Norman. I'm buying that with the fan, the crowd. I think. I just think that Oklahoma is going to come out. And I think they're just focused, leadership, and all. all. I think this Oklahoma team's focused. They have the right mentality. I think they're going to take care of business. I think they win by 20, 21 points, probably something like that. Wow. I had 38, 17. I think that's what I said last night. I think earlier this week, I had the Sooners 38 to 24. Yeah, you did that last night too. Yeah. As I've gotten deeper into this week, that increasingly feels a little bit high on the scoring end of things to me, but I'll stick with it. Um, I, I don't think Oklahoma is going to struggle to move the ball. The question is, once you get on the plus side of the field and Kansas state starts to buckle down defensively, can you make that play to move the chains and keep the drive going to the point where you're in position to score a touchdown as opposed to kick a field goal? Because I think Kansas state, honestly, their best hope. <laughs> In this game, their best hope is sticking with Oklahoma and potentially pulling off an upset is to, A, slow the game down because of the way that they play offensively. Slow the game down right. and try to turn this thing into a rugby match, man. It doesn't matter. They, if, you, they, if, you can, if you can bend but not break defensively and you can make Oklahoma settle for a whole bunch of field goals, then you've got a chance. Because you've got a guy in Deuce Vaughn that can break a game open with one play. And so that's going to be the recipe. That's going to be the roadmap 
for Kansas State Saturday night. Do they pull it off? No, I don't think so. I think this Oklahoma offense continues, as we've seen through the first three games, for the most part, uh, continues to move the ball effectively, continues to find the end zone. Uh, right. I think that probably leads to a bit more scoring than some folks anticipate uh, because once Oklahoma jumps out to that big lead, Kansas state's going to have to start playing catch up. And so I actually, you know what? I almost talked myself out of that 38 to 24 score prediction, but now that I hash it out verbally, I'm going to stand by it. Uh, sounds good to me. 38, 24 Sooners. So you think Oklahoma covers barely? Yes. Okay, well, let me let me ask you this. This is this is this is where I am going to come in and ask you what is your reservation here because notoriously when Kansas State's coming to town or they've been going up against Oklahoma, they they take the air out of the ball, right? And Oklahoma's defense has to stay on for long drives on the field, right? Do we really believe that that's going to happen on Saturday? Do we believe this Oklahoma defense is going to allow long drive after long drive after long drive, third down conversion after third down conversion after third down conversion? Or do we believe that this Oklahoma defense, being different than it is, is going to get – they're going to put Kansas State in a position to where it's already 14 to nothing, and now Kansas State has to get out of their – take the air out of the ball game plan and try to play catch-up with Oklahoma, therefore opening their game plan up a little bit more, which in turn plays into Oklahoma's hands defensively because now they're not trying to formation you crazy to death. You know exactly the formations they're going to probably be in. It's going to probably be more of a spread type formation because they know that they have to play score for score with Oklahoma at that point because I I don't know. I, I, I just think – I just think that we all have like this PTSD with Oklahoma and K-State because of what we've seen for years and years and years and years with Clement. And everybody feels like he has like this magic potion playing Oklahoma. And we're, we're not counting the fact that everything is different. That magic potion, the offense is different. The defense is different. Both coaches and scheme, mind you, so does that potion work the same for this team? I think that's the question I ask more than anything else. And I'm interested to see your thoughts on that because I I don't know that it does. If you're going to give up 17 points to Tulane and you're not going to be able to score on Tulane and you struggle to score – I mean, South Dakota, you scored 34 points, but if I remember right, they got all their points, what, in the first quarter for the most part and struggled throughout the rest of the game against South Dakota. This isn't, I'm not talking South Dakota t- State or anything like that. I'm talking literally South Dakota. And then against uh, Missouri, they they were pretty balanced, but – the other thing I ask is, has Kansas State played a team that's athletically as gifted as Oklahoma yet? We all know they haven't. No. But So how does that come into play? You know, like coaching, athleticism put together, how does that come into play? Like, does, can Oklahoma 
Is there is there a world you believe Oklahoma comes in and just completely dominates K State and runs away with it? Yes, there's a world in which that happens. Just like there's a world in which that wouldn't happen last weekend against Nebraska, and <laughs> that turned out it to be did. the world we're living in. So yeah, yeah I think that possibility is on the table. I think it's going to require a very well orchestrated game from Jeff Levy in particular, because yeah, or I don't Dylan think, Gabriel, yeah. I I don't think Brent Venables and this defense are going to struggle to keep Adrian Martinez and the Kansas State offense in check. I just don't. I think you're more worried about this game turning into a slugfest than a track meet. Far more worried. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, so if Oklahoma runs away with this game, if, what is the national reaction? Does a two-lane loss kind of kind of lessen the the blow that that might have nationally? I, I think it will. I think yeah, it will. I, I, I still think. Here's the deal, Brandon. It's not this way locally, but it's certainly this way nationally. People generally reserve their judgments on Oklahoma until the Cotton Bowl. That's probably what That's it's going to be this year, because I'd anticipate that the Sooners are going to be five and zero heading into that game. You'd yeah. think if Texas maintains its current trajectory, the Longhorns are going to be four and one, which is exactly what, where those two teams were a year ago heading into that game. Right. So I think that nationally, the pundits are probably going to find a way to kick the can down the road until the Sooners meet the Longhorns in the confines of the Cotton Bowl. That's the way I look at this. And I think we will have a very strong indication come Saturday evening of what type of team Oklahoma really is. I just think that if you don't pay close attention to this team on a week-in, week-out basis the way that we do locally, I think you're probably not going to have seen enough. And you're not going to, quite frankly, you're not going to know enough about this team to render that judgment until you watch them play Texas. So that's what I'm anticipating. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't I don't know that I think they'll talk about Oklahoma nationally. I just don't know that they're going to, you know, buy into everything a one hundred percent like you. I th- I think I think it's gotta be the Red River rivalry. And if Oklahoma goes in and do, takes care of business there, I think that point at that point everybody's gonna go, Okay, this team's for real. And they're good on both sides of the ball. Uh, real quickly, the Selman brothers announcement. Uh, they're going to put the statue up, and uh, I would call them probably the first family of Oklahoma football. I don't think that's probably. I think that's exactly what they are: is the first family of Oklahoma football, and they're going to honor them. I think that's really cool for everybody involved. The Selman family, Zach Selman, uh, really cool to see him be able to see his uh, father and everybody get uh, recognized at the level that they're being recognized this weekend. Uh, the statue from the pictures just looks awesome, by the way. That's out there on Twitter. looks awesome. It's huge, and it's awesome. And wouldn't it be very – it's at 3, 3.30, by the way. If you want to be there for that, you need to be there early uh, to see them honor the great defensive linemen, the Hall of Fame defensive linemen that they are, the All-American defensive linemen, the – Arguably three of the best, not arguably, three of the best 
literally three of the best defensive linemen to ever play Oklahoma football. Uh, and they they actually resurrected Oklahoma football in the 70s to be make it elite. And that run that Oklahoma went on for a long time was was started with Lucius and then Dewey and Leroy just, just took the reins to a whole another level as well. So uh and you can thank Lucius Selman for a lot of recruits. He was one of the best recruiters in Oklahoma history, too. So um be there at 3:30 if you want to see that. I can't wait to see it. I'm we're gonna be there for that, my family. Uh, to honor and respect that. Uh, as as Switcher said, God bless Miss Selman, right? Uh, he always said that. He said, God bless Miss Selman because that's <laughs> made them unbeatable for a long time. Literally unbeatable for 35 straight games. So, uh, anyways, recruiting-wise, though, I think that's going to be a big thing that Oklahoma shows that they – have such history on the defensive line in particular if one player shows up two actually two players show up that we one is going to 100 be there and nigel smith the second may be there working on logistics according to his father yesterday still in five-star 2023 lineman uh, david hicks so if he shows up i think that'll be really cool for them to see that uh, I think that's kind of what Oklahoma is hoping. Uh, they also have a bunch of other big name recruits. So you talk about the ones that you've uh, confirmed and I'll talk about the ones I've confirmed Parker. So you go ahead and go first. Yeah, well, obviously I think we, uh, I think we got to start with the Cali boys and those, those guys all announced their visits on Twitter pretty early in the week. Our Greg Biggins out West, our, uh, Pacific region recruiting analyst has done a fantastic job of catching up with each one of those guys individually. Yeah, but you're Aiden Breland. At, yeah, Aiden Breland, uh, Jordan Davison, uh, Nasir Wyatt, Philip Bell, Jaden Hudson, whole bunch of guys coming in uh, from the state of California on their own dime this weekend. Uh, among the guys that are a bit more local, you mentioned a big one in Nigel Smith, another big one in the 2024 class, the defensive line position, Williams Winery from Lee's Summit North in Kansas City. Uh, Isaiah Mosey, his high school teammate, four-star wideout in the 2025 class, going to come down. Another couple of their teammates with Power 5 offers thus far, Chase Pearsall, 2025 linebacker, and Kamori Moore, a defensive lineman. Uh, you look at the Texas contingent that's going to be represented. Smith's probably the headliner in the 2024 class, but you also got guys like Peyton Pierce, the four-star linebacker in the 2024 class out of Lovejoy High School. Uh, his teammate, three-star wideout Parker Livingstone, another 2024 guy, and 2025 wide receiver Dalen McCutcheon, who's already an offer guy for the Sooners. So, I, gosh, there are so many names. I'm trying to keep it all straight in my head. A lot of these guys have announced their visits on Twitter, which is helpful. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big, big visit weekend for the Sooners, uh, not just with the few 2023 guys that are going to be in town, but with a lot of uncommitted guys in 24 and 25. Yeah, no, it's a big weekend for Oklahoma recruiting-wise. Uh, Peyton Bowen may be there. Um, he's deciding between – Oklahoma and Texas A&M game. I'm going to talk to him today. I actually made like, th that's literally what I'm trying to decide. Am I going down to little, little am to watch him play and Jackson Arnold and Ryan Yates and try to get them before they come up. Jackson Arnold will not be there this weekend. So I don't know. 
I'm trying to debate that. Am I going to go watch DJ Hicks? I've got to decide within like the next two hours and fill out the form and get everything lined up logistically for me to make that trip uh, while I get this podcast up, obviously. So uh, that's kind of my deal. Or I'm going to stay back here and I'm going to cover Jacoby Johnson and go watch Jaden Nickens tonight. Like, so that's 2025. He's going to be there. 2025 uh, top 20 player overall in the country, five-star safety out of Millwood. Uh, If he, if he can, if I stick around, that's going to be my schedule is going to see Jaden Nickens tonight. And then Jacoby Johnson tomorrow. So I'm working on some things, trying to figure some things out. Uh, Just, and it's just been a tough, it's been a tough, tough decision this week. This week has been the hardest decision because I know next week I'm either going to uh, see Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen and all them, or I'm going to fly out and watch, um, oh my gosh, Tassili Kana play in Utah and then fly back for the OUTCU game and do all that stuff. So, this whole recruiting, uh, people don't understand. Parker and I cover the team, OU team, and we cover recruiting. So it is hard for us to logistically do all this. Like we we it's travel ourselves. It, oh, it's it's tiring. Like we get Monday through Wednesday to like try to recharge. But I got kids and they've got games. So we got practices and we're traveling everywhere doing all that type of stuff. And Thursday rolls around. I'm either going to their games and then hitting the road or I'm going to their games and hitting the road. Like there's no, there's no, there's no other option. Like, so um, anyways, yeah. Uh, so you got Jaden Nickens, Jacoby Johnson will be there this weekend. Um, Ryan Yates, four-star safety. Uh, will be there with his father this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma's pressing hard there. Like this is, I don't know that they're going to make a rash decision and say, Hey, you know, we're going to move on if they don't make make a decision here soon. And I'm talking about him and Peyton Bowen. But I think if they're not – if a decision isn't made shortly after the OU-Texas game, I think you're dang well going to see Oklahoma go full-blown, all-in on Marvin Burks Jr. and Rohan Flewellen. And Marvin Burks Jr. is a four-star safety out of St. Louis. And Rohan Flewellen is a three-star safety athlete, wide receiver, all the above committed to TCU out of Gilmore, Texas. So we'll see. Oklahoma likes all four of them. And it's going to get to the point where it's going to be first come first serve. And right now they're just kind of, uh, I, they would take, I will tell you this. They would take Marvin Burks right now. If he committed 100% would take him. And I think that's something that, I don't know that Ryan Yates and Peyton Bowen realized like, and Oklahoma, Brent Venables, all those, all that. I think Brent Venables is a guy, you know, this more than anybody Parker outside of myself and those that cover recruiting. Well, everybody knows this, but it's kind of on the recruiting side is no nonsense. He wants decision makers. He wants guys that are want to be sooners. And so when this thing drags out and drags out and drags out, it, it, it gets to the point where, whoop, you know, We'll see. And I don't know that he's going to wait too much longer because they have to have two safeties. They want high school safeties. If they had to, they would go in the transfer portal, but that's not their preference with this class. So 
We'll see. But uh, there's a lot of big names on campus. You named most of them. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be more names added as we get closer and closer as well. So uh, we'll have the full list up on OU Insider VIP, by the way. And we've got a bunch of other stuff. we got a bunch of recruiting notes on OU Insider VIP if you want to go check them out. Uh, on where Oklahoma stands with the top defense alignment in the country, I wrote a whole story on it and uh, who they're going to get, who I feel they're going to get uh, in this class. All right. Uh, before we close this thing out, let's talk about uh, – How good do you think this Oklahoma team is? Like, honestly, how good do you think they are? I think they looked like a playoff team on Saturday against Nebraska. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I don't necessarily think that means that they're going to be a playoff team at the end of the day, but I think it's fair to acknowledge they were that good on Saturday. Mm -hmm. The question is, can they remain that good for the next nine games? And that's the challenge before Brent Venables and the staff. I to me, this is a team that is the cream of the crop in the Big Twelve. I I don't know that I buy Oklahoma State. I don't think Texas has quite the talent on both sides that Oklahoma does. And I think although Baylor is a very well coached team, I just don't know that they're going to be able to take advantage of the attrition across the Big Twelve the way that they did a year ago. So Right now, I like Oklahoma to win the conference. And as we discussed last night on the YouTube Live, Brandon, I think they will be favored in every single game this year. Does that mean they win every single game? No, I don't think so. I think they trip up somewhere along the way. Most every team does. Going undefeated in the regular season in college football is a really hard thing to do these days. I don't think it happens. If it does, great. At that point, you basically lock yourself into a playoff spot regardless of what happens in the Big 12 title game. But I think most realistically, uh, my expectation preseason for this Oklahoma team uh, has held up. I expect them to be a one-loss team that plays in Arlington in December. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. I think 11-1 and seems pretty on point and if they go undefeated i don't know that you and i would be overly shocked either honestly i mean we expect them to be 10 and 2 between 10 and 2 and 12 and 0 i think it's kind of where we've kind of pegged them right like we don't think they're going to lose three games we can't see and i don't think after three games this year you can't see them losing three games right like it just doesn't seem like it's viable at this point now obviously injuries happen knocking on wood for you all you can hopefully hear that uh, you know, things happen, but yeah, I think that this team has a chance to be pretty special if they, if they gel and come together the way we all feel they might be able to. All right. So that's going to do it for this version of the OU insider under the visor podcast It's one of the shorter ones that we've done because Parker has got to go do some radio and we got a late start today. So, uh, we had some technical difficulties anyways. Uh, if you're not an OU insider member, I think you should sign up. The VIP board is always hopping. There's always thousands and thousands and thousands of fans. And I think people underestimate how knowledgeable the fan base is. When you go on the OU Insider board, there's always people that have inside information on the team. There's always people that have inside information on um, the recruiting. Uh, These are just fans that hear stuff that know people within the program and post on our board all the time. 
you don't just get Parker and I, you get fans that have connections to the team that will post. They're not going to post on Twitter. They're not going to post on Facebook. They're going to post under probably aliases like they do on our board. And that's how this thing works. So if you want our information that we get from behind the scenes that we post daily on recruiting team, uh, anything you want to want to know Oklahoma Sooners football, we do it. We have chats, we have Q and A's, we do everything. We answer your questions on the board, no matter what you can start your own thread. You can talk to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of OU fans that have already signed up. We are one of the largest 24 seven sites. And that's all thanks to you, the Sooner fan. And it wasn't like that when we first got around here. So, uh, we are so blessed to be able to do that, and thank you that you all trust in us uh, to be able to bring you the most up-to-date and in-depth Oklahoma Sooners football and recruiting news on a daily basis. So uh, you can try us right now 30% off, 30% off. So that's $75 will get you OU Insider, will get you connecting with all the Oklahoma fans that are on there. You can a great community of fans, uh, and you can go check out all 250 24-7 VIP sites. That's insane for just $75 after the first year. So say you sign up on August 21st or September 21st. I'm sorry, September 21st. If you get to September 21st, 2023, after your year is up, you get Paramount Plus with it when you renew. Paramount Plus comes with it. So you get $220 in value. You get Paramount Plus for free. That's a great deal to go along with all of 24-7 Sports and OU Insider. If not, you just want to try us out, you can do $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards. So uh, give us a shot. See if you like us. Most people tend to sign up. Parker can tell you. We get PMs all the time. Say, hey, I signed up for a dollar. I'm signing up for $75 now because this thing is awesome. I love the information. I like being in the know of everything that's going on with Oklahoma football behind the scenes. And uh, we we feel blessed and joy to be able to do that. Our job is amazing. We love doing it. It's a passion we have, and we have a passion to serve you guys. So thank you all. Um, hit that like. If you're on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button. We love it. Uh, we're glad you're watching us on YouTube. And, you know, we've grown. I think we're almost to like 6,000. Right? Almost 6,000 followers on YouTube. Very close. Subscribers. Yeah. Uh, we just started this thing like four months ago. So uh, we're skyrocketing. And that's, again, thanks to you guys. Like, we wouldn't be doing the things we're doing. Like, almost 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. And almost, we're on page for like 22 million page views on OU Insider. Are you kidding me? Like, we're almost up to five digits in uh, subs right now. Like... That doesn't happen if it's not for you, Oklahoma Sooners fans. And hey, again, we're blessed. And thank you all so much for being on there with us. All right. That's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. Be sure you hit that like and subscribe button on, on YouTube. Uh, but that's going to do it for Parker Thune, for Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed day. We'll see you for the postgame podcast.
The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.